Hey guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to the Royal Wolf Scotland podcast. What have we been doing this week? Not a lot, let me tell you. I've been researching loads more and finding loads of new cases, so that's been fun and bookmarking them for future episodes. I can't um, get into researching more than one episode at a time, to be honest, because I start getting all confused as to which was which and then it just turns out that I have to repeat the episode like five times and record them before I can actually get it right. It's an absolute nightmare. So I've decided that that's a bad idea, but I have found loads more that I've just like bookmarked for future reference, like, oh, I found that, that looks interesting, you can look into that more. And then half of them probably don't ever see the light of day because then when you actually start reading it, you're like, oh, that's a bit, okay. Or loads of people have covered that already, so there's there's no point to doing that. But today's one I found when I was doing the research for the mini court episodes and when I was doing that one I found this episode and I thought yeah this could be quite an interesting case. When I was reading through the court sentencing documents this is when I found this case of a guy called Stephen Lawton. It was just very like interesting to begin with because he has committed murder for a start but the thing that flagged it up with me was he only got three years and seven months in jail or jail time. And that's only just starting right now, to be honest, because he was only sentenced on the 24th of April 2020. So it was the, the latest sentencing that came out on that day and then I found it. And I just thought, how on earth can someone kill someone and only get three years and seven months in prison but then that's when I started looking into it more and then I found out a lot more and I was like oh well that probably makes a little bit more sense so let's just get right into it because the more I found out about this case the more interesting it got and crazy it got to a point where just things started popping up that I already knew about or people that I knew about and I was like wow okay so this is definitely a wee bit more interesting than just plain old boring murder (laughs) if you would call it that. We'll start off with basically three brothers John, Stephen and Rosie Loughton. Now I'll tell you a bit about all three and then we'll get into the case. So John, who's the oldest brother, he was in Big Brother in 2008, which was the hijack series where it was up and coming or prosperous young people between the age of 18 and 21 that went on to this Big Brother episode. So there was like a, a beauty pageant queen winner for wheels or it was somewhere but it was quite high up she'd won and there was a boxer and I can't even remember to be honest I didn't particularly watch it it was one of those shows that I couldn't really get into as much as everyone else and 
when it first happened, Big Brother, like it was obviously a new thing. It was like a social experiment and it was far more interesting and yeah, I did watch it a little bit back then. But then the more and more episodes or series, whatever you want to call it, came out, the the oh god, it just gets so much, doesn't it? So yeah, it wasn't really my thing, but I don't knock it for other people because, like, half of my friend group were, like, obsessed with it and they watched it all the time. And that kind of always brought me back to it a little bit because, obviously, they would always be talking about it and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a try again. And then I would always get bored of it, so... Aye, it wasn't really my thing, but a 100% recognise this guy. He was from Edinburgh... And when there's a Scottish person in Big Brother, because it's like a whole UK thing, like, you tend to get behind it a bit more, even if you're not into Big Brother so much like I was. But 100%, if there was ever a Scottish person, I would always be like, well, let's tune in and find out what this guy's all about or this girl's all about because, well, you want to make sure that your country's being represented. And also... If there's ever any Scottish person that does anything like that, you're 100% going to have their back. Unless they turn out to be a fanny or, like, a horrible person. And then you're like, well, we're going to disown you. But most of the time they're not because we don't have that many people like that, to be honest. I am getting way off track, so let's go back. So, John, 31... He may be older now, but he was 31 um, as of November 2019 when I read this article. He won Big Brother in 2008 and he won 50 grand, which he had said in loads of interviews that would be so helpful for his family because they grew up quite poor, from quite a poor background, always struggling for rent money, to find food, to put food on the table. His mum was always struggling to gather these things for them. So he did say that when he won the money that he was going to give the majority majority of it to his mum. And I think that's really nice. Like, I think when you come from quite a tough background, when you're brought up with money problems and things in your family, then it does kind of make you appreciate getting money more. And he was definitely very appreciative of winning he had commented loads of times saying that he just couldn't believe it and he was just so grateful for it. So he seems like a really nice guy. And also, he started up with the rest of the money, his own business. He was a politician beforehand. When This is the reason why I got into Big Brother. He was like the youngest ever chairman of a political party at the time. And he was like the head of the Scottish Youth Party, um, something like that. So he was obviously an up-and-coming politician. And to be honest, I've not really looked into a great amount of like his policies and things like that. But just on first hand, like, he seems like a genuine, like, upstanding member of the public. And like he has quite good values as well. He's right behind and supports LGBTQ plus beliefs and rights. So I think that's just such a... A great thing to stand for anyway and yeah so he's like youth rights things like that so he seems like quite a good guy and someone that I could probably get behind if I looked into it more he is now a CEO of his own company and he's went in front of the Commonwealth 
quite a few times I think to speak about issues and things like that so see John seems to be getting on quite well in his world he also has a website if anyone wants to check it out for any reason at all and it's just his full name which is John Loughton .co.uk and Loughton spelled L-O-U-G-H-T-O-N just in case anyone is interested in that at all also by the way see when I was spelling that out to you I had to write it down because I thought I'll get this wrong if I don't write it down so there's a little tidbit for you so Stephen who was 30 at the time of this one article I again November 2019 he was 30 so again he could be older now he was struggling with mental health since he was the age of 20 and throughout his 20s there was some cases of drug abuse as well he's having a bit more of a tough time than his older brother John John seems to have his head on right and Stephen's the complete polar opposite where he's struggling with his mental health personality disorders and the likes and that's a shame he is having a lot of trouble with his girlfriends and reported to be violent on occasions and things like this but he's not had any serious trouble from what I could find he just seems to be a bit on the wrong path and really struggling with his mental health throughout his whole 20s he is very close to his brothers though they him and his younger brother Roddy are very close it was said in many things that I read and they spent a lot of time together as well so Roddy was the youngest brother and he is a father of two he was described to be a sensitive soul a really good guy and an amazing father to his two kids and he was 26 so we'll get into the the downfall of two of the brothers shall we say so John's off living his life he's not involved in this story it's just interesting to note that this is like the differences between the two brothers basically Stephen and Roddy are having a day together they're hanging out nothing much is going on and unfortunately for Roddy things take a turn for the worse Stephen is not in a good mental health state at this time and he seems to snap over something then he takes a hammer and smashes Roddy in the head three times while Roddy is asleep on Stephen's couch now remember they've spent the day together there's not been any like report of something going wrong or anything for some reason unknown Stephen just attacks Roddy while he's sleeping on the couch and hits him on the head with a hammer three times. Unfortunately for Roddy, he doesn't survive the attack. Now this is over the period of time of December 16th and 17th, 2018. He was attacked on December 16th at some point in the night and then on December 17th is when the revelation comes of what has actually happened. Now, the circumstances to how Stephen was found out to what he'd done to Roddy were a bit peculiar. Like, it was a bit strange. 
On the morning of December 17th, he phoned and phoned and texted and got in touch with social media to his ex-girlfriend, Lisa Hamilton. She was 28. To begin with, Lisa didn't understand what Stephen was getting in touch with her about or the seriousness of what he was trying to tell her because he was getting in touch with Lisa to basically tell tell her what he had done. He had started off with texting her things like that he was in bits and that he needed help and things like this. He then asked her a string of random questions such as like was she pregnant she told him she was not he then told her that he'd killed someone but then asked her who was her favorite family member lisa told the court that she didn't believe anything that was happening at this moment in time when stephen was sending her all these messages up until the point where he sent her a picture of roddy lying injured she messaged Stephen back and said, I'm assuming Robbie isn't dead and that you're just a lying bam. She didn't believe him and wasn't like, wasn't expecting the pictures that then followed of him lying injured. She then replied to him, for fuck's sake, you're a monster. He then told her through a telephone call that he'd hit Roddy with a hammer and just kept going. She told Stephen to check Roddy's pulse and he said that Roddy was cold. She had told the court as well that when they had been in a relationship with Stephen that he had accused her of cheating on him multiple times with other men. He accused her quite frequently of having relations with Roddy but not just Roddy. He accused her of sleeping with like people that she hadn't even met before and it was just complete paranoia. And that is what led to the breakup of their relationship. The Scottish Ambulance Service arrive on scene and they pronounce Roddy dead at the scene. Now we move on to the sentencing of Stephen. So he's arrested, he is charged with murder, but then when it goes to trial time, he's acquitted of murder, but he is convicted of culpable homicide of his 26 year old brother Roddy. His lawyer Donald Finlay QC led evidence which showed that he was suffering from mental health problems and was of diminished responsibility at the time of the incident. Mr Finlay also agreed with prosecutors that Roddy died as a consequence of being struck repeatedly on the head with a hammer by his client. Then the Lord Beckett, who was judge presiding over the case, said that the jury had accepted that Loughton's responsibility was diminished by a personality disorder which made him emotionally unstable. He then went on to say, You killed your brother using ferocious violence. It's not inevitable that there will be an order for lifelong restriction. The court will consider all in sentencing options. And now we fast forward to 24th of April 2020 and this is the sentencing at the High Court in Edinburgh by Lord Beckett. He imposes an order for lifelong restriction on Stephen Lawton after he was found guilty of killing his brother by means of culpable homicide by reason of diminished responsibility. 
The punishment part of the order was set at three years and seven months. And this is the minimum time that an offender will spend in prison before they're even considered by the parole board for release into the community. It does not mean that he'll be released at that time. He will only be released if he's considered safe to serve the rest of his sentence in the community, the lifelong restriction order. And he would be released under intensive supervision of a criminal justice social worker. And if he commits another crime, if he even sneezes in the wrong way, he'll be sent back to prison immediately. So at this point, I have a friend that's a PF, a proclator fiscal, and I messaged her to find out what on earth a lifelong restriction is. And I had seen online that it was basically someone might have just had to wear a tag for the rest of their life. Asked her, is that the case or is there more to it? And she said that lifelong restrictions are not common. They're really unusual. Only It's only for people that have committed pretty horrendous crimes. If you're put on an LLR, then when you get out of prison, you're not put on a tag. It's basically you have to be on good behaviour for the rest of your life. So if you went to the pub and punched someone, for example, and didn't cause any injury, it's still a crime. You would normally get a fine, but if you're on an LLR, you would be recalled to prison for a pretty long time. The police tend to monitor people on them pretty carefully, and they're almost waiting for them to fuck up so they can be recalled. So I was like, thanks very much, that's research from our podcast, so that's really great. And she was like, oh my god, I'm so relieved. I thought you knew somebody that was on one and I was like, maybe don't be friends with that person. <laughs> so she was, I hope, you, I hope you're not talking to anyone that's on an LLR because that's not good. Like, they're, pre- they're not good people. And she then said that she's only came across one case that she's worked on. Basically, that's just because they're really really uncommon. They're, they're only gave out in extreme circumstances. So... Thank you very much to my friend for letting us know that because it was something that was really, like I hadn't seen it before so I thought it was quite random. And then I just, like I said at the whole start of the the episode, it was pretty crazy just to begin with that I seen the automatic, like the punishment is three years and seven months and I thought, oh my God, like how can this guy get away with that? But it's actually, he's, I mean, he's kind of in a, a type of prison for the rest of his life. I mean, he's obviously got mental health issues, so is prison going to be the best place for him, really? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to read a little bit, and it's only going to be a little bit of the statement that Lord Beckett made when announcing the sentencing. And I'm only going to read a little bit because it is so long and yours will get so bored if I start reading the whole thing. But you can find it on um, the website for the Scottish Judiciary website. And I'm pretty sure if you just typed like Scotland sentencing into Google, you would find it because that's how I found it basically. I take account of everything said in mitigation and the content of the reports now available to the court. I have reflected on the evidence led in the trial, including all of the evidence about your condition and the implications which follow. 
I recognise that you only have minor previous convictions in the context of this case. I accept that you have shown remorse visibly so during trial and I take account of the episodes of mental illness and enduring personality disorder which has affected you throughout your life and I note the adverse childhood experiences described in the reports. I proceed on the basis that you were convicted not of murder as alleged but of culpable homicide by reason of diminished responsibility. You offered to plead guilty to culpable homicide at the start of your trial for murder and some account will be taken of that. However, you killed your brother using ferocious violence. At a time when I infer he was lying asleep in your house, you struck him on the head at least three times with a hammer, using considerable force, causing serious injury from which he died shortly afterwards. It was a matter of hours before you alerted the emergency services and only at the time when he was dead. Both your immediate and wider family have suffered terrible loss with the enduring implications which you can well understand. The jury accepted that your responsibility was diminished by reason of an enduring personality disorder, characterised by an inability to control your impulses. My concern is what you did, the circumstances in which you did it, and the implications of other evidence led in the trial suggest that you are likely to continue to present a substantial risk of causing serious harm to others. Accordingly, your conviction, even for culpable homicide, raises a real question of how the public is to be protected from the danger in which you present. He then goes on to say about the risk assessment report that was carried out by a forensic psychiatrist and they pretty much concluded that he does suffer from aspects of a number of personality disorders and that it's very complex, his personality disorder and substance use, which has been done in the past, has been responsible for violence and the worsening of his personality disorders so drugs plus his mental health equals not good times and he's abused this obviously he then goes on to recommend that he doesn't think that there's going to be any response from interventions focused on his mental health and his personality disorders so long-term monitoring and supervision will be necessary He further explained that possible future scenarios in which physical violence may occur include if he was to form a future intimate relationship or have serious problems in his relationships with his friends or close family members. So he basically considers it likely to have another episode in the future if anything was to happen with one of his close relationships due to his mental health problems. He identifies reasons to doubt his capacity to respond to treatments and programmes which might be available to him as well in regards to drugs and alcohol abuse and mental health problems. And then he concludes that he has a real possibility to cause serious harm to others and that there's few protective factors present that would prevent him from doing that in future. 
so therefore would recommend this long-term supervision and monitoring. So the judge then goes on to say that the usual period of punishment for this type of case is a period of eight years. He will follow the normal approach suggested in legislation and reduce that period by one half to take account of the effects of early release. From that period of four years, because he offered to plead guilty at the start of the trial, the judge then decided to make an allowance of 10 months. According to the punishment part of Stephen's lifelong restriction, that then is turned into three years and seven months, and it was backdated to the 18th December 2018. He then makes a statement that says the sentence imposed is not a sentence of imprisonment for three years and seven months. It's an order of lifelong restriction, which is a sentence of imprisonment for an indeterminate period, which shares some characteristics with a life sentence. You will not be eligible to apply for parole until the punishment part has run its course. It does not follow that you will be released. You will only be released from prison when the parole board considers that it is no longer necessary for the protection of the public and you continue to be held in prison. Basically, what they're saying is he must serve three years and seven months. No less. But at the end of three years and seven months, if he still poses a risk to the public in any way, he would not be released. So there's not ever an end time on his sentence in jail. There's not an end time. It will be when he's deemed safe to be released. But that cannot happen for three years and seven months. So that makes a little bit more sense to me where you know that that it makes more sense if you understand. But then even if he is released, he will always be monitored and watched and have these social workers, these forensic social workers that take care of him basically and make sure that he is safe enough to be in the public. And if he's not, then back to jail he goes. So yeah, I mean, that piqued my interest. It definitely piqued my interest because it's so interesting to see how the courts work and what happens with cases like this. I mean, someone that has a serious mental health issue and they do something unspeakable, are they in control of themselves at that time? Now, do I believe that some people, some serial killers, some absolute nutters out there have used mental health as an excuse for what they've done when in reality they are just evil people? Yes, I believe that many people have used the excuse of mental health. And don't get me wrong, there's clearly something not right with you if you're like killing people. But there's a difference between someone that has like genuine mental health issues that has a whole 10 year history of mental health issues and drug abuse which obviously does not help mental health then 
there's a difference to me. There's a difference between that and something like this happening and just pure evil, you know? And this is where I kind of feel sorry for the whole family, including Stephen. Because what a thing to happen to your family where you have three brothers, one going off and doing like crazy fabulous things in the world, one that is struggling so deeply with mental health issues and another brother that's just described as like good. It's a shame. And to think that Stephen's going to have to go his whole life knowing that his brother who he was so close to, he took his life. I mean, to me, that's something that you you can't live with. It's not like, I don't mean you can't live with, it's impossible. Of course it's possible, but mentally you can't live with. And he's already really mentally unstable. So, yeah, I mean, I just... I just feel like, wow, it's it's a lot for someone to have to deal with when they're already got a lot to deal with. And that's just, yeah, that's just my opinion. It just seems like a lot. With that being said, there is so many mental health conditions out there now and there are so many people struggling with depression, anxiety, personality disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, the list goes on and on and on. And especially in this time where we are not used to being away from people or our routines that we have that might help stay off mental health. And for me, it was just important to have a talk or have an episode where we can be a bit honest about mental health and discuss a case that is completely related to mental health issues and have a bit of understanding because I know that there will be a lot of people out there right now that are struggling and I just want to let you know that you're not the only person out there. There's so many people out there that are in the same situation as you or have the same feelings as you and there's help out there and if you can and it's hard but if you can you should speak to someone now I know that there's a lot of different countries out there that are listening and there will be a lot of help for you in your own countries as well it's as simple as doing a google search and mental health help mental health helplines and just search and find someone to talk to about about what's going on so the nhs has a whole section dedicated to mental health on their website www.nhs.uk and it can give you a lot of information on stress and anxiety and depression and other things so please if you're feeling any of the above please check that out there's also another website that is mind the mental health charity and that offers helplines and help for people that are struggling with mental health. And that is www.mind.org.uk. In the UK, it is mental health awareness starting from the 14th of May. So I really wanted to make sure that we did an episode 
on mental health. If you feel like you can't speak to someone that you know, that you trust, then please try and reach out to one of these charities because they offer so much health and wealth and knowledge to people and they can really help. So I just wanted to make sure that we had a little bit of help in here as well. You know, I'm definitely not trying to preach to anyone or anything like that, but this is this is just, a, a, if it helps one person, it helps one person, you know, that's it. So yeah, that's the case of Stephen Lawton and it's a bit of a sad one. It is a bit of a sad one. So many lives were affected and it was all because of a mental health illness, which is sad. So yeah, guys, please stay safe, usual stuff, what everyone's saying, stay indoors, blah, 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 you know, you know the drill by now. And I hope everyone is doing well and I will see you next time for another episode. Bye, guys.